when the Sunday school goes out, isn't there? You know what, that last song that we just sang, In Christ Alone, is one of my favorite songs. Uh, I just love, uh, in particular, that last verse. And as we were singing it there, I, I thought that this fits in so well with the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning. So maybe if you just, just think through those words, uh, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me from life's first cry to final breath. No. Yeah, from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here here in the power of Christ, I'll live. Bear those words in mind. Sounds like something Paul would, would sing. Let me read to you from Acts, chapter 20, verse 13 onwards. Remember, we left Paul last week in Troas. Uh, Poor old Eutychus had fallen out the window. Um, He was dead. Paul goes down, he's alive. They celebrated communion, and they left the next morning. And here we go. Paul went on by land to Assos, where he had arranged for us to join him while we traveled by ship. He joined us there, and we sailed together to Mytilene. The next day we sailed past the island of Chios, and the following day we crossed to the island of Samos, and a day later we arrived at Miletus. Now Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus because he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of Pentecost. But when we landed at Miletus, He sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. When they arrived, he declared, You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that have come to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what, needed, what you needed to hear, neither publicly, well, I did it publicly, or in your homes I spoke to you. I've had one message for Jews and for Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in in every city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I, I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourself and guard God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock. His church purchased with His own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. 
Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day and, and the many tears I had for you. And now, now I entrust you to God and the message of His grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those He has set apart for Himself. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and, and even the needs of those who were with me. And I've been a constant example of, of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of our Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt and he prayed with them. And they all cried as they embraced him and kissed him goodbye. They were sad, most of all, because he had said that they would never see him again. And then they escorted him down to the ship. Let's pray. Father God, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our God and that we are your family and that your word is sufficient for all that we need and that because of your grace, Lord Jesus, we have an inheritance among all your saints. Father, I pray that now as we look at this passage of Scripture, Lord, and later as we celebrate the baptism of Myra, and celebrate your dying for us. Lord Jesus, help us to, to think through these things. Lord, may they speak deep into our hearts and our souls. Lord Jesus, would we learn to be more like you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would use the words from my lips, and that you would speak through me and into all of our lives. Amen. I was thinking about goodbyes. This is a, a wonderful passage. In, in some ways, it's a passage that speaks to me uh, uh, quite a lot because it's addressed particularly to the pastors, the elders, the, the overseers of the churches in Ephesus. But, but I think it applies to all of us. And it's Paul, a man who loves the churches that he has established and, and loves the people of Ephesus where he spent three years ministering so much and, and the time has come for Paul to leave them. Paul at this stage, his plans are to go to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Rome, and he wants to go from Rome and spread the gospel into, uh, into Spain doesn't know yet that he'll be going to Jerusalem to be arrested and taken to Rome in chains. doesn't know yet precisely that he will be dying in Rome. Goodbyes are difficult. I remember when I was um, in primary school, my best mate left the country, went to Canada. And you know, even today, I, I still think fondly back and, and say, wow, I wonder what's happened to, to Alex. I wonder how he's going. 
I wonder what happened to his life. I wonder where things went from that point onwards. I wonder if he went and followed his dreams. And here Paul, addressing the Ephesians, I'm sure they wondered the same things. What is going to happen to Paul? Let's start at the beginning, verse 13. Paul and uh, his traveling companions, remember these people from all the churches in the provinces where, where Paul has established the gospel, they are going and they're taking an offering to the church in Jerusalem uh, to say to them, we are your compatriots, we are your brothers and sisters in Christ, and we want to support you. So Paul and, and, and them make their way down the coastline of Asia. It's interesting there, verses 13 to 16, you'll see that that it's sort of a one day we went to here, the next day we went to here, the next day we went to here. Uh, apparently in that part of the world, uh, you've got a breeze, a wind that comes down from the north blowing, sort of from about midnight to about late afternoon. And, and when the breeze is blowing, you jump on the boat and you travel down. But late afternoon, the wind stops and you start getting a southerly. Boats can't move against the wind in those days, so they pulled into port and, and you'd spend the night at a different port every night. So here's Paul, slowly, day by day by day, making his way down the coast of Asia till he arrives finally at Miletus. And it's interesting that Paul says there that that he had decided not to go back to Ephesus. He didn't want to spend any more time in the, the province of Asia than he absolutely had to. Remember, he's trying to get to Jerusalem with this gift to the church by, by the Passover festival. Um, he celebrated um, um, the Feast of Unleavened Bread a couple of weeks back at Philippi. It's been two weeks since then. He's got about a month to go to get from Miletus to Jerusalem. Maybe he doesn't want to go to Ephesus because he remembers that in Ephesus there are many people opposed to him. Many people who would want to do him harm and maybe even kill him. Remember, we we heard about Demetrius and the silversmiths in Ephesus who had caused a ruckus and and, um, done their very best to destroy the church in that part of the world. But still, Paul wants to encourage the Christians in Ephesus. He knows that they are going going to go through a tough time. And you know, this man just loves them so deeply. Look what he says to them in this, his final speech. He says to them, You know how I have lived with you. You have lived with me for three years. You've experienced the kind of person that I am. And in my life, I have set an example for you as to what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And there's three, three sets of examples that I really want to bring out for us. It says Paul, chapter 20, verse 17. Uh, sorry, chapter 20, verse 18. You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia now, I've done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. says, Paul, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. In other words, Paul's example to us is one of deep humility and deep, deep passion 
Paul's not the sort of person who force-feeds the gospel down somebody's throat. Paul's not the sort of person who insists that unless you go with his way, that, that you're in trouble. Paul's the kind of person who, who comes alongside people, who discusses the merits of the gospel with people, who dialogues with people, who, yes, he speaks publicly, but he goes from house to house to house, and he, and he gets to know where people are at, and he discusses the, the, the things that they need to know in their life. He's not a, a person who lords it over other Christians. In fact, he says at the end of our passage that, that, that all this time he spent not as a high and mighty bishop of a church, but as a tent maker, working by day so that he could share the gospel refusing to accept any money or, or any support from the church so that he would not be a burden to them. In fact, says Paul, even when his mates came along to help him in the work, did he ask for them to be paid a salary? No. I imagine he worked faster making his tents. I mean, that is humility. Well, what is humility? Is, is considering others better than yourself. He says, Paul, I, I have spent my time with you in true humility. And he's not boasting when he says that, by the way. He's just saying a fact. I have done everything so that you could know the gospel. But you know, humility by itself is not enough. You see, the other side of the ingredient list is, is a deep passion. He says, Paul, you know that since I came into the province of Asia, I've, I've, I've served the Lord Jesus Christ with deep humility and with tears. Now, I don't think Paul's trying to say that he's one of those weepy men. You know the, you know the kind of man who comes along, <laughs> it was just so wonderful to see you guys accepting the gospel. Paul doesn't burst into tears at the, the slightest provocation, I don't think. But Paul is so concerned for the truth. Paul is so concerned for the spiritual welfare of the Christians that he is speaking to that, that, that sometimes he is driven to tears for them. At the end of the passage, he tells us when he's warning against um, wolves in sheep's clothing coming into the church, he says, you know how night and day I have warned you of this and I have warned you with tears in my heart and in my eyes because I am worried about you. Because you are my spiritual children and I don't want to see anything happen to you. And I don't want to see you fall away from the gospel which you have so beautifully grabbed hold of. I have a passion for you, says Paul. Can you imagine? I'm sure some of you can imagine because you've done it. Moving to a different country away from your family, away from your, your friends, 
away from your parents, from your brothers, from your sisters, people that you love who have meant so much to you. That's what's happening here. Paul is leaving and he is just so broken. He ends up in tears at the end of this thing. Everyone ends up in tears because although he loves the Ephesians, he's got to go. He's got to move on. And isn't that just a Wow, what a question to ask ourselves. Two questions, really. Are we, are we the kind of people who can stand up and say at the end of our lives, I have been a humble man or I have been a humble woman in all that I have done? Hands up. <laughs> I struggle with humility. I, I think we all do. I'm sure Paul wasn't entirely perfect. He had a a big row with Barnabas, remember? But Paul, looking back over his life, can say, yeah, I've put Jesus first. I've served the Lord with humility. It's not been about me, it's been about Him, and because it's been about Him, it's been about you. The other thing I wonder is, How passionate are we for one another? If one of our number were to stand up this morning and say that they are moving to another church, country far away, town far away, uh, would we just sort of pass it off and say, that's nice, see you later? I don't think we would. I think that's one of the great gifts that God has given this church is a sense of love for one another. But I think we need to work at being passionate for one another. And how, we do, how do we do that? We, we do that by serving Christ with deep humility. The other thing Paul says is, is people, I want you to know that all the time I've spent with you, I have been a committed teacher and a preacher. I have spoken to you in public, verse 20. I've spoken to you in private, verse 20. I've spoken to everyone who will listen to me, verse 21. I've I've spoken to Greek, I've spoken to Jew, I've spoken to all of you because the raison d'etre, my French is pathetic, my reason for existence is to preach the good news and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. And I can say to you now, says Paul, as I leave this place never to return, I have preached the full gospel to you. I have told you all that you need for salvation. I have told you the need to repent and turn to God. I've I've called you to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have been true to my calling. Says Paul at the end, nobody can say that I have not been true to my calling. If anybody, let me read it out for you exactly. Chapter 20, he says, uh, uh, oh, isn't that terrible when you 
lose track of where you're at. There we go, verse 26. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it is not my fault, for I didn't shrink from declaring to all of you all that God wants you to know. Paul there, I believe, is harking back to one of my favorite passages in Ezekiel. It actually happens twice in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 3, Ezekiel 33, almost identical passage where God says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, your role is that of a watchman. And your role is to warn the people to turn to me and be saved. And if you do that, well and good. If they accept, brilliant. If they don't accept, at least you have been true to your calling, Ezekiel. And Paul, at the end of his time with the people of Asia, is able to turn to them and say, I can examine my life and I can say that I have shown you and shared with you all that you need to be saved and now it is up to you and God to sort it out. But the emphasis for Paul is on a true and accurate preaching of the gospel, of the word of God, a comprehensive teaching of what God says that is able to equip us for life. But you know, the thing which I think really sums up the life of Paul, the crux of this whole passage, such a a brilliant verse, Verse 24 says, Paul to the Ephesians, I want you to know that in my time with you and in the future that lies ahead of me, I have been, I will be single-mindedly devoted to Jesus Christ. And he says, look, it's been difficult. I've had opposition." from the Jews. I've had tears for the Christians, from the Christians. One thinks of Paul's sad letter that he wrote to the Corinthian church. We think of of Corinthians where we learn that in that church there were people saying, we don't follow Paul, we follow Apollos. We don't need you, Paul. It's been a tough time for Paul in many ways. Being an apostle of Christ, being a a preacher, being a a Christian is not easy. You know, it would have been so easy for Paul to just give it up. Like the the man in the video that we saw. You know, when, when times get tough and there goes the hamstring. Or Paul is feeling down. Or you feel like it's just too difficult to stand up for your faith. Says Paul, I want you to remember and I want you to know nothing's going to change. Jesus is at the center, front and center of all that I do and all that I say and all that I am. 
and says, yes, I'm leaving you, and, and, and I don't know what's going to happen. I do know that the Holy Spirit tells me that in every city that I'm going to come to, there's going to be trouble. Big trouble. But, verse 24, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Because so valuable is that good news. So wonderful is that good news. So overridingly important is that good news that says, Paul, nothing else matters. If I must suffer, I will suffer gladly because it is for your sake. What does he say somewhere else? He says, though we are weak, it is for your sake. He writes that to the Thessalonians or the Corinthians. I forget which. And for me, this is our our biggest challenge from this passage. Because how easy is it not to put the task assigned us by God second. Our task as Christians is to share the good news but, and, and to be witnesses to Christ and His glory and His grace. But how easy it is it not for us to, to say, well, I'm going to put my comfort first. I'm going to put my friendships first. I'm going to put my wealth first. I'm not going to suffer for this. Come on, let's be serious. Says Paul, chalk and cheese. Jesus is so important and so valuable. How can I do anything but serve him? I want to finish that race. I want to finish well. And he goes on towards the end of the passage and he addresses the elders and the deacons and the pastors. Um, I think all three of those words are used in this passage in the Greek. And he says to them, people, I want you to, to be aware that while I'm going, things aren't just going to suddenly get easy. He says, I want you overseers to guard yourself I think it was A.W. Tozer um, who said, the greatest need... No, that's somebody else. A.W. Tozer said, if you want to know who the person is that I pray for the most in the church, it's me. Sorry to disappoint you, the same is true of me. (laughs) You want to know who I pray for most in the church, it's me. Somebody else says the the single most important thing that a church congregation needs is my holiness. Says Paul to the overseers, guard yourselves so that you can shepherd God's flock. Because there will come people who will stand up and distort the truth. 
And there will come the same sort of trials and oppositions that Paul faced. But this church, the church of God throughout the world is so valuable and so precious. Says Paul, Christ died for this church. You know, this just being personal, this really speaks to me. Um, I have to constantly ask myself, am I willing to die for you lot? <laughs> Lynn says no, I won't die for you, Lynn. But I'll die for the rest of you. Knowing me, I might complain all the way, though. I'm not quite as uh, there as Paul, I'm afraid. But you know, I, I love how Paul finishes this letter. He's gone through, he said, this is my example. Deeply humble, deeply passionate, committed to teaching and preaching the word of God. Single-mindedly committed to seeing God's purposes through in this world. Driven by concern for the church. And let me tell you how it's going to work, says Paul. Let me, let me tell you how this is possible. Let me tell you how any of this makes any sense. Let me tell you, says Paul, how I survived and how you must survive if you are to see the church through. And this is for all of us. Says Paul, verse 32, memorize this verse. I entrust you to God and the message of His grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those He has set apart for Himself. Says Paul, when I go, yes, I've been your teacher for three years, I've given my life for you, but know that you are in God's hands. And you have God's Word. And God's hands and God's word, put those two things together, you cannot have any better. And you will share in the inheritance among all the saints. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing? In fact, let's sing. Can I have the music group up the front? Let's sing wonderful grace that gives what I don't deserve, pays me what Christ has earned and lets me go free. Wonderful grace.
that gives me the time to change, washes away the stains that once covered me. in its latest breath forgiveness for you and for me on the night when Jesus was betrayed our Lord took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it and then he broke it in pieces and he said this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. You know, to summarize what Paul has been saying to the Ephesian elders and Christians. He's been saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ, who gave his life as a ransom for us, who poured out his blood for our sakes, because his grace is wonderful and his passion for us. No words can describe it. I wonder if I can ask John and Bill, please be seated. We're going to share communion together.
In Corinthians, Paul is speaking about the unity of the church. As he speaks about communion and reminds us to remember Christ in this. We're not told, but I suspect if they'd had the bread and the wine there, Paul would have had communion with his people at Miletus. Because this is such a strong story of the grace of God. Please take a cup, we'll drink it together as we remember that we are God's children. was our sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought us life. Brothers and sisters, it is finished. Let us pray. Father God, O oh Lord Jesus, giver of such grace, speaker of the only word that we need, your very self. Lord Jesus, I pray that, that as this morning we have remembered you, that you would Give us a single-mindedness to serve you. Lord, that we would be driven to humility in that service. Lord, that you would give us just a fraction of the passion that you have for your people. Lord Jesus, that your word would take deep roots into our lives and our hearts and from there overflow as we share your amazing love and grace and goodness. Amen. Myra.
you want to come up to the front? And any elders that are in the church, if you want to come up to the front as well. You know, there's, there's few things that excite me more than when somebody says, I think it's time for me to become baptized. Because it's really saying, Jesus means so much to me, and I want everybody to know that he is my reason for existence. And that I am single-mindedly going to follow after him for the rest of my life. And I wonder, Myra, do you want to, do you want to tell us something? I, I, poor Myra has been stressing so much about this particular question. Myra, just in a sentence, do you want to tell us what Jesus means to you? Something. Well, he means everything to me. And years ago, when I lived in Melbourne, my son, he, he went to a, a, a youth club. And uh, he got very friendly with this young boy. And we used to take this young boy on holidays with us. And uh, then we started going to the same church. And Dad got very friendly with the boy's father. And I didn't know that at the time, but his father was a a padre. And he said to me, he said, would you like to become a Christian? I said, yes, I would. Very, very much. So that's how my son and I, we both became Christians together. And that must have been about 30 years ago. Yes. Thank you, Myra. Are you happy now? Oh, yes. (laughs) Myra, I've got some questions for you. And I've got some questions for us as well. Myra, do you want to get baptized? I do. Excellent. Myra, do you honestly repent of your sins? I do. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, truly God? Very much. Do you believe that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, that he was crucified, that he died, and that he was raised on the third day? Yes. Do you believe in God the Father, Jesus Christ, his Son, and the Holy Spirit? I do. Do you promise with God's grace to celebrate Jesus' presence and to further his mission in the world? I do. And now for us, do we as a congregation here in Comet Bay, do we undertake to support our sister Myra in prayer, in word, in action to help her grow in the knowledge and love of God? We do. do. Myra, God loves you so much. And as our sister, we love you too. And we honor your obedience to God in this. And I know that there's a party happening in heaven right now. May you know God's power, presence, and joy and peace in every increasing abundance from this day on. Norman, 
And now I entrust you to God in the message of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those He has set apart for Himself. Amen.